In this episode of Heaven and Healing Podcast, I welcome on my dear friend Amber Jekovic to join me. We talk about her coming to Christ testimony after a long four years entrenched in New Age practices from Reiki, crystals, yoga, all of it, particularly with a focus in law of attraction. So we discuss what the law of attraction is, why people are drawn to it, how people use scripture out of context to justify their use of the manifestation practice, and what the truth is, what Christians should do about it, and what it really means to receive from God. We also have matching shirts, which is really cute. Enjoy. to another episode of heaven and healing podcast i'm angela and i have my friend amber here with me um amber was really big into new age just like i was she did all of the things reiki yoga crystals law of attraction today we are going to be specifically diving into the law of attraction and why it is a huge trap why christians should absolutely avoid it and focus on prayer instead because the truth is law of attraction is a distraction from prayer and from a true relationship with God. So I'm going to first hand it over to Amber, let her introduce herself and tell us how she came to know Christ. Wow. That was a perfect way to say how the law of attraction is a distraction. <laughs> um, so I'm Amber. I have been saved now for two years. And before that, I was deep into the new age movement because of the law of attraction. The law of attraction is what set me spiraling down. Oh, well, I have to heal more. I let me get into tarot cards. Let me consult with mediums and so on and so forth. But it all started with the law of attraction because the law of attraction looks pretty. It doesn't look maybe as scary and commonly known as evil as like tarot cards and going to consult with mediums. And I was in a place where I had just broken up with my boyfriend and I was told that I can manifest him back. And I was like, well, this is like my soulmate or my twin flame. So yeah, he needs to be back in my life. So I went down this journey of learning and this was in 2017. So I was in the new age from 2017 to 2020. So four years, something like that. So I went down this journey of learning, getting all of this knowledge. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can actually use my mind to create things. And I would practice it in little, little ways like parking spots or finding money on the floor, even if it was like a penny, I would use these little things and I would see them come true. And I was like, wow, this, this is real. So if I put my mind to it, and if I do enough work, then it's a law that I will have to manifest this person back or someone better, whatever the universe wants to give me. And from that, you know, there's the light side of new age where, you know, it's all positive thoughts and good vibes, but the longer you stay in it, you realize, or you're told to realize, Hey, maybe the reason why you're not manifesting is because you have a lot of shadow work because you have a lot of trauma. You have a lot of stuff that's blocking you. 
So you actually need to go deeper and like re-traumatize yourself to unblock these things to manifest stuff. Um, And so that's when I started to get into energy healing and Reiki and consulting with um, tarot cards and mediums and spirits, like, you know, questions about this human that I was trying to manifest, which is bizarre. But again, I, I saw it work for other people. I saw little things happen and pretty much long story short, short, all that stuff that I was in. Um, I had a friend who got saved in January of 2020 and she started posting specifically how the law of attraction was demonic. And that one of the people that I used to follow, like the famous Abraham Hicks, how she was a possessed demon spirit. And that made me mad. And I was like, why is my friend saying the law of attraction is demonic when it's not like, it's literally so it's so like love and light, like it's not harming anybody. And it made me really, really mad. So for about four months, I kind of went back and forth with her, with a few other people who were leaving the new age movement and coming to Christ. And I was so confused. I was upset and I was bitter at them. And I had another girl specifically tell me, Amber, I don't have the answers for you, but if you're willing to pray, pray to God to open your eyes because nothing I'm going to say, like, I can't convince you. And I was really resistant to that because I think I knew that I would have, if I did pray and the Lord did want to save me, then he would open my eyes and I would have to give up what I was doing. And I didn't think I was ready for that, but there was a breaking point to where I was like, this is just so in my face that I need, I need to pray. So I got on, this was in April 22nd of 2020. I got on my knees in my bedroom, which is filled with, you know, crystals, um, my moon circle, like ritual altars, uh, all of my books, like everything, all my idols. And I got on my knees and I prayed and I said, Lord, Jesus, if you're real, I need you to open my eyes. Because as a new ager, we base everything off of experiences and not necessarily facts and reason yet. So I was like, I need that experience of you opening my eyes. And just like that, my eyes were open. I immediately felt super sick. And I looked around me and I saw like my heart breaks for this. I look around me and I saw everything for what it was. And the idol it was and the distraction it was from Jesus. And so from then on out, it, I, I need a, I was like, I need a Bible. I need to learn why this is real. I, I'm in, I'm in God. Let's do it. So many little testimony. <laughs> I love that you mentioned that it made you mad because yes. I had a very similar experience And I think a lot of people, people that message me, I don't know if you deal with this, people that message me feel really discouraged because they say, oh, my friends get mad at me when they see this stuff. Like this triggers a lot of people. I don't know how to get through to them sort of thing. So I think that's really important um, to acknowledge because when the Holy Spirit is inside of you, it's going to trigger the demons inside of them. Yep. Yeah. And that's normal. It doesn't mean that hope is lost. It means that you're actually onto something. 
my pastor even says that he has said, you know, if the people in your life are getting mad at you over Jesus, then they're probably closer to being saved than you think. (laughs) I totally agree. I've, I've had many, um, or a few friends, Instagram friends would get mad at me when I would post things, but they start to warm up and they're, they're asking the questions. And then the next thing they know, they're giving their life to Christ. I had a girl who was super into Reiki. And when I started like, um, she was a level two and I was just like a level one. So she was even more advanced in practicing. And I started talking how Reiki was demonic and she was just like, I don't get it. Like, it's just unconditional love. The same, like the, the, the burden of the same things of that I just said. And so she, I was like, you know, if it's just unconditional love, then why do we have to pray for protection? Like, why doesn't it just come from God then? And she said that statement is what helped her realize, oh, maybe she's right. I mean, she went on for a couple more months being really involved with it. And then the Lord saved her out of it. So yeah, if, if you're making people upset because of the word of God, then you're on to something for sure. 100%. And it's funny, you know, this isn't about Reiki necessarily, but I remember all that, the level one, level two master, guess what? You don't need any levels to pray. <laughs> no, no. Nope. So um, maybe some listeners aren't necessarily familiar with the law of attraction, but, you know, we hear the buzzwords like frequency and vibrational match and energetic match and manifestation. So can you just tell us what the law of attraction exactly is? Yeah. And something I forgot to mention in my little testimony part two is that I considered myself a law of attraction guru because it was something I love to study. And on my Instagram, I would have law of attraction Tuesdays every week, giving tips on how to manifest and connect with the universe. But yeah, so the law of attraction is this idea that you can think something in your mind and then it will become a reality. So if you think something enough, it will become a reality. And what they say is it's this universal law. So whether you believe it or not, it's working. So if you're always thinking negative, you're always going to have negative experiences. And if you're focusing on more positive things and goals, then that is going to come as well. And thank the Lord. When I got saved, I was like, man, I'm glad I don't think that anymore because most of our thoughts are usually negative. And so if you thought enough negative things, could you imagine someone who had like really bad paranoia of anxiety? Like, oh my gosh, if I think this, I'm going to get into a car wreck. Yeah. Like, um, of course this is more the lighter side of the law of attraction there is more where you could get into like the shadow and like you know know that it's not fully how it works so yeah but that was more what I was into is what you think becomes your reality you are the co-creator with the universe um you call it source energy universe god like whatever matches you and that's like what the law of attraction is mm-hmm I, I, yeah, I used to experience that actually, because I was, I didn't get too deep into the law of attraction itself, but I was actively trying to manifest things. And I remember thinking, oh, you know, if I'm, if I'm on the street or driving in the street, you know, 
what if I just got in a car accident right now? Oh my God, I'm going to manifest that. Um, yeah. And just yeah. create crazy fears like that. And the Bible tells us to take our thoughts captive to Christ, but with the law of attraction, it's just, well, it. it's yours. Yeah. Change it. It's up to you. It's your subconscious mind. It's the power of your subconscious mind. What we believe is manifesting our reality. And, you know, our thoughts translate to materialize into reality, like giving ourselves all the power. Yeah. Um, like so- we are like the co, like it says co-creator and with the subconscious mind thing, the deeper you got into law of attraction, if you were like, oh, well, why isn't this manifesting? You would then learn, oh, because um, the universe is connected to your subconscious mind. So you manifest from your subconscious mind. And so at night I would like command my subconscious mind to say things. I would literally say, I command my subconscious mind to believe that, you know, I'm going to win a thousand dollars or the relationship I was manifesting. And it it's crazy that I was thinking that I could command my mind to believe something. And I was doing that, but that doesn't mean that it was necessarily going to happen, but I was programming my mind to believe lies and just stuff not rooted in the truth and material things of the world. Where does it come from? The law of attraction. Um, so they, they always say the law of attraction has been around longer than time, you know, but I find it funny that if you Google, you know, the history of the law of attraction, it has a beginning and it's in the 19th century. So it's actually not a new concept. Even if the writers want to say it's been around longer than the 19th century, that's when it came into like writing and people started talking about it. Um, And it actually originated from the new thought movement, which is grounded in the occult. And it's that idea of the power of, of your mind. And I don't want to necessarily say that our minds aren't powerful because there's things in Psalms that does say, you know, think upon godly things, right. And of the stuff of the Lord, but that doesn't mean that our minds are powerful in the sense of, you know, I can do all these things by myself. It's more so in the sense of like, when you think of it biblically, it's just to think upon Jesus and godly things. So that way you're not putting yourself in depression or something. So yeah, it came from this like new thought movement, which is all about the power of the mind. Like you are the one who is in control and it really got famous in 1937 with the book called think and grow rich. And that's like the book that got it. um, What's that word? Like mainstream, like made it like mainstream. And it's funny because if you were in law of attraction and you were like an entrepreneur, I thought about money. That was probably one of the books that you read was think and go rich. I, um, I was involved with, I was involved in an MLM years ago. (laughs) imagine that see um and that was that was before I was even necessarily into new age practices but that was very much so one of the biggest messages of that realm of business if you will it was you know oh you have the power to create this stream of income for yourself you know the more that you believe you're worthy of it the more 
clientele you'll have, you know, the more people that will be drawn to you, you have to be a vibrational match for the things that you want sort of thing. So I, you know, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's not even necessarily just in spirituality. It's in the business world. And that's what's so scary about it. I feel like this is a really huge component of demonic deception that is seriously in everything. Yes. And it's interesting that you mentioned the MLM because I was also in an MLM too. Um, and ironically, those girls in the MLM are what helped saved me, but I did get out of that because it's a commercial cult. But anywho, um, since this new thought movement and all that stuff is from the occult, the occult is very tied with multi-level marketing because they can control you and your mind. Like, Oh, the reason why, you know, cause most people in multi-level marketing make zero money. It fails. And like, well, it's your fault. It's on you. So it keeps you in to keep doing it. So like, okay, I got to keep manifesting the clients I'm going to get or whatever. So it's interesting that you said that cause they are like really hand in hand. I, um, I had some success with mine. I was definitely making good money with it, but again, I was, that's when I started to get into affirmations and things like that. And the one leader, you know, like the, the head honcho of my particular business, she still, um, basically long story short, the, the business. And if you're watch if you're not watching, I'm using air quotes every time I say business, <laughs> the business that we were in ended up falling apart, um, got sued by the FTC. Imagine that. Um, but she like hopped from one MLM to another and she's still doing very well. And whenever I get curious and check up on her because I'm human and do these things, she's still talking the way she used to, you know, it's, it's all up to you. It's the power of your mind, the power of your mind, you are your own creator. And what you start to notice with these people, um, I don't know if you're familiar with manifestation, babe, no, I feel like I've heard of that though. She, uh, she's someone I used to follow on Instagram and it's, you know, no, no shade to these people or anything. It's just an observation that these people that tend to get everything that they seriously say that they want, they really do. They get it. The, the big house and the great, perfect, passionate relationship and, you know, all the money that you can imagine, it really does work, but you will notice that they're not, they're not talking about the glory of God. They're not talking about how this is in God's honor or for God's sake, or even crediting God at all. And if they do credit God, it's to the point that God is within them as the source of, you know, universal oneness sort of thing. It's not God is sovereign. It's I am sovereign. Um, and I was, as I was researching for this episode, I was finding, you know, going back to, you know, the source of it, the 19th century, that Helena Blavatsky woman, mm-hmm. she, she like started to introduce this idea alongside that book that you mentioned, the think and grow rich. And she's an occultist. I mean, like we were talking about before the podcast started, we could just end it right here. You know, it's an mm-hmm. occultist practice that tells you everything that you need to know about it because it's ultimately not biblical. So it's ultimately not from God. And you'll find that if you look, if you type in the law of attraction on YouTube or on Google, it'll all come up with these results of why it works, why it works. And you'll find celebrities. So many celebrities talk about this. Jim Carrey. And that's really hard for me to say because I grew up loving him. Jim Carrey is from 
yeah, Oprah, Will Smith, like all of them. And ironically enough, they have everything that they want in life, but at the cost of their soul, inevitably, because we know how Hollywood works. Um, what else? The book that the secret, I'm sure you read that. The secret Oprah. I'm, I'm pretty sure she's the one who kind of really introduced that book. I think it got pretty big in 2006 and even my grandfather talked about it. Who's like a devout Catholic. Um, he was even talking about the secret and how it's good and stuff. I'm like, aren't you rooted in the word? <laughs> um, now looking back at it, then I didn't think twice about it. And even like the Aber, the Esther and Abraham Hicks, um, that was a big one. I, it was all confusing when I first read it, but the Esther is like channeling Abraham to get this information from and it's like God tells us not to channel any type of spirit and yet people are believing what this woman is saying because she's like she's like oh I'm getting this from a channel from a good source and it's like how do you know that's good there's only one person that's good and that's God and it's not coming from him right and this all seems so harmless, right? Like consuming all that content. Yeah. And when, you know, yesterday when I was Googling too, it's funny, something popped up. It says, is manifestation a sin? And the Google answer was no, it's um, harmless. You have good intentions. As long as like your intentions are good and pure, it's not a sin. And that kind of, there was a point I want to make too with the intentions is it doesn't matter if our intentions are good or not, what matters is what the word of God says. And we will get into like what the word of God says about this as well. But um, it reminds me of Cain and Abel, where if you guys aren't familiar with that biblical story, those are the first sons that Adam and Eve had was Cain and Abel. And God told them, hey, to atone for your sins, you have to get an animal and sacrifice him at the altar for us or for, for me. And I don't remember which brother I always get confused, but one brother listened to God. He got the animal. The other brother said, you know what, God, I don't really want to do that. I'm going to offer you a bowl of fruit. I'm going to get you a bowl of fruit. And, but his intentions were pure. He still wanted to honor God. He still wanted, you know, to get God something to present to him. And God was like, why did you give me this bowl of fruit? This is not what I asked for. I specifically asked for the animal and because only blood atones for our sin. And he's like, I specifically asked for the animal. And it shows you that your intentions can be pure and you think you're doing the right thing. But if you're not doing what God tells you to do, then it's wrong. And I always, you know, that was the first thing I learned about intentions because I was, I was personally confused. It's like, you know, if someone's intentions are good, why does it really matter? And in reality, none of our intentions are good because we're sinful people. And if it's not what God says, then he doesn't accept it. Even if you think it's good, he won't accept it. That's really, that's yeah. really a good point. Um, but that's why people are drawn to it though, right? Because I mean, the whole thing with good intentions and with the story of Cain and Abel, even it's self-serving because it's like, oh, I know better than God. 
I, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll bring the fruit because I think that's better than the animal. And yeah. that's, that's the same idea with the law of attraction, why people are drawn to it because we think that we know better than God. Yeah. And we're told that we know better than God by those that um, demonstrate this practice and promote this practice. Um, can you talk about some of the examples in your life where you really saw the law of attraction work and how that kind of was a spiraling effect that led into bigger things? Yeah. So I think there was three main big ones. Um, the first one, and for the sake of privacy, I'm just going to use like plural pronouns. Um, I witnessed someone who I was very close with, like very close, like a motherly figure figure to me, manifest a human into her life for three years. I watched her talk about it all the time. I watched them talk about it all the time. (laughs) Whatever. We know it's her. I watched her, um, do certain things in the store where she'll arrange like the letters of their name together to like put a sign for the universe. I watched her buy a bigger bed. I watched her clear out her closet. I watched her do a vision board. Um, I watched her do these affirmations. I watched her meditate and I thought she was crazy because the person that she was trying to bring into her life, manifest into her life was someone who I don't want to say out of her league, but it just wouldn't make sense. The age difference, the career difference, everything. It it did not make sense. And lo and behold, three years later, they were together and they have been together ever since. And it's been like six or seven years now. So that was the first big thing, like huge thing that I saw. I was like, wow, this really does work. And then, so for myself personally, I manifested air quotation marks, (laughs) um, this trip, there was a sales contest at work. I used to work at a surf shop and there was a sales contest. If you sold enough, um, sold enough Hurley products that you would win a trip to Waco, Texas to surf the wave pool. And so I made my little vision board. I had my affirmation. I daily repeated like I've already won this trip. Um, I'm so excited. Like I'm feeling all these emotions. Like you'd make yourself vibrate and feel happy and excited. Um, and I'm going on this trip and I won the trip and it didn't make sense because our store was super small and the other stores competing against us had so much more product than we did. And I won it. Um, and then the third one was about, I think it was a thousand dollars. There was, um, some cut type of contest in the MLM that I was in actually. And the person, like the top person was giving away a thousand dollars and I did the steps that needed to be done, but there was also several other people doing it as well. And I just like said those affirmations, like, I'm so excited to win the thousand dollars. Like, um, this is what I'm going to go do with it. And I, I got the thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it really works. Um, and that's a point that I think both of us wanted to make very clear with the audience is that when we say that it's a lie, we don't mean that it doesn't work. We mean that the intention of it, um, the root of it, the truth of it 
is it inherently deceptive because we're selfish. Right. And it's again, all those things that you mentioned, whether it be yourself doing it or the person um, with your first example, that's all power of self. Mm-hmm. And that's at the beginning when I said it's a distraction from prayer, it's exactly what I meant. Um, but, you know, just because something works doesn't make it right. And I, mm-hmm. when I was thinking about that, two examples came up for me like money laundering people do that and it works and they get really rich from it that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that's the right thing to do you shouldn't be money laundering right and then a second thing is diet pills right they work you can lose a lot of weight taking a pill but that doesn't mean that's how you should be losing the weight so just because something works that doesn't mean that it's the thing that you need to or should be doing or most importantly, the thing that's going to ultimately serve God, which is what we are here to do. Yeah. Um, the temptation of it, seeing that person in your life totally transform their situation by the quote unquote subconscious mind felt tempting for you to lead into. So can you talk a little bit about the temptation with that? And even the biblical examples, right? Eve in the yeah. garden and Jesus <laughs> about to go to Eve in the garden. So I can say all day long that it's wrong, but it doesn't matter what I say. It matters what the word of God says. Um, so the temptation is obviously it's there. I mean, you see someone doing something, even as a, maybe you, you are a strong believer rooted in Christ, but you really have been wanting something and you're not getting it. So you're like, hmm, maybe let me get carried away by the lust of my flesh and try it this way. Cause I see it working for other people. Um, but even the garden was probably one of the first, cause when I did get saved, I, it took a, some sanctification. I was like, I'm going to do law of attraction, but God's way <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, but that was one of the first things that I read was Eve in the garden and um, Genesis two or three, where God says, if you, you can have everything in this land, but you cannot eat from the tree of, um, what is it? Good and evil, good and evil. Um, so that was his first law and like his command to these humans And Satan, then, you know, the story, Satan comes along, he tempts Eve and Adam, Adam was there. Um, And he said, you know, God doesn't want you to eat from this tree, because if you do, he knows that you will be like God, your eyes will be opened, and you will see, you, you will see good and evil. And so they were, what's the word, they were intrigued, I guess, by this idea of being like God. And so they did it. They sinned against God. They rebelled against him. And that's why we're here now. Thanks, Adam and Eve. But <laughs> we would have done the same thing. Um, so that's the really big thing that the law of attraction and the new thought movement where where it originates from, where it originates from, and the occult is this idea that you can be like God. There is hidden secret knowledge that that God is keeping from you and you can have it right here. Here you go. 
eat from this, read this book, start doing this um, affirmation, start doing this manifestation, see it happen for you. And that leads into the other. So that's why right there, I know that the law of attraction is not biblical because there's many other things, but in Genesis two or three, I don't want to say which one, cause I'm not positive two or three where it talks about how you can be like God. And that's the, the first lie that we're told in the law of attraction. And then in Matthew, and the reason why it worked, this is why now the law of attraction works and why we do get the desires of our flesh or the things that we're wanting to manifest in Matthew. I don't have it open, but in Matthew four, 11 through one, um, that's when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan. So there was the main one that I think of when it comes to law of attraction is when he, when Satan is on the cliff with Jesus and he was like, look at this whole world. Do you see everything in it? I will give it to you. And so Satan will give us what we want, what we desire. And that doesn't mean God won't, but Satan will in the sense of the selfish gain of things to glorify yourself. And he will give that to you. And then what did Jesus reply with? I don't remember exactly for that one, but it's like, um, for it is written, I should only bow down and, oh, that's what it was. Satan told Jesus, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all of this world. And then Jesus says, no, for it is written, I should only bow down and honor God. And so even if you don't think you're worshiping Satan by doing this, and it can sound scary, like, oh, I'm not a Satan worshiper. Why would you say that? Because Matthew 4 says that. So. Yeah. Really? I like that you said that because I didn't even, I wrote down the same verse, but that little detail is really important. Satan will give Jesus the kingdom of the world, he says, but it's not just like giving it to him freely. It's at the cost of you got to worship me. You got to, you know, you got to follow me. You got to turn from God and, you know, pledge allegiance to me. And that's, that's a really, really key component to the whole law of attraction, because we as humans are designed to worship something it's inborn within us because we're created from God. So if we're not worshiping God, who are you worshiping? You know, talk about the power of the subconscious mind. You're subconsciously worshiping Satan. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I don't know where in, in the new Testament, it says you're either a child of God or you're a child of Satan. And that's just the reality of it is, even if you make your God yourself or whatever it might be, you're still a child of Satan. You're, you are essentially worshiping him and bowing down to his world in this world. And that example from Genesis three and from Matthew four are the two greatest um, demonstrations to sum up exactly what the law of attraction is and why it is so tempting, because ultimately it is, it comes to those two things, right? You can be like God and you can have anything that you desire of this yep. world. Um, and it's, you know, to another reason why people do like it is because it does glorify ourselves and our flesh. And 
we are selfish people and you can deny all day long you're not selfish because when I was in a new age I would have never admitted that um but it's true and these things seem harmless like who am I harming if I just want to manifest a new car like how am I harming someone if I'm individually thinking these things and it happens, like, how is that harming anyone else? And you know what? It might not be harming anyone else, but it's harming you. Like you are giving yourself self-harm right now because you're not, you're under the power of Satan and not doing what God has designed you to do. So there is harm in it. Even if you're not harming anyone else, you're self-harming. And the thing with that, exactly what you're saying is, um, you know, it's like a jail cell of sin, but it's, it doesn't look like a jail cell. It's, it's like pretty and plushy and comfortable. And Satan will let you sit in that with this law of attraction. And again, it's comfy and like the door is right there and the door is open. Like you can leave the jail cell at any time, but eventually your time's going to run out. Yeah. Um, and the door is going to close and you're going to, the illusion will be shattered and you'll realize, oh, it's not a plushy, comfortable room that I'm sitting in. It's actually the darkness and the death of my sin. Um, so again, guises himself as an angel of light, right? So these things aren't when, when you hear and think Satan right now, what do you think? It's probably red fiery evil like horns no satan actually was the most prettiest angel in heaven before he got kicked out and he makes things look fluffy pretty if your favorite color is pink he's gonna make sure it's pink like he makes it for you to look to look good not 100 and it's all about mixing truth with error to disrupt yes. people from having that close relationship with Jesus Christ that the Bible calls us to have um, because with the law of attraction and all basically everything in the new age, it's, you know, like, why would you need a savior at all? If you can just do it yourself, if it's all up to the power of your mind and you can speak it into reality, then why would you even have the need for a savior? Um, Jeremiah nine, six and Proverbs 18, 21 tell us we're basically unreliable as our own saviors. We can't trust ourselves. We can't trust our hearts. We can't trust our minds. We are sinful by nature. So we are unreliable to be both the problem and solution. Um, but Satan perverts scripture. Yeah. So it's his favorite thing to do. So yeah, exactly. So we get the idea that we can do it. Um, and that kind of leads into how, the Bible is taken out of context in a lot of ways when it comes to the law of attraction. So can you speak on that? Because that's something I see in the Christian community a lot. Yeah. And you know, the reason why this is, is because if you have ever read the book, the secret, the Bible verses are in there, the out of context Bible verses are in there. And again, in the, in the garden, when Satan was tempting Adam and Eve, he made them question God's word. He said, did God really say you can't touch or eat the fruit? So he makes you question the word of God. And so if Satan can make you question the Bible, 
he's got a good foothold on you. Um, and so there are many biblical verses that are taken out of context to support the law of attraction, maybe even to support Reiki, like all these different things. I can probably open up the Bible, take out, cherry pick a Bible verse and say, oh, this supports me doing X, Y, and Z. But there is a correct way to read the Bible. You know, you have to read the verses above it. You have to read the verses below it. What is this whole passage saying? Who is it talking to? What is the context? Um, the Bible also interprets itself and it's also supposed to read you, not us reading ourselves into it. And so it can be really dangerous when we pick a little Bible verse and say it to mean something it doesn't. Um, and that happens a lot, even in the Christian communities. And I think that's why so many people who don't actually spend time in the word of God get deceived and Christians may think the law of attraction is okay. I mean, the famous pastor, Joel Olstein, his whole thing is about law of attraction. He doesn't use that phrase, but he uses the Bible to promote this, the I am affirmations and you want that new car? You could get that new car. Um, so some of the famous ones and like, if you're listening, you'll probably hear it be like, oh yeah, I've heard that in a this is even in the Abraham and Esther Hicks book, Asking It Is Given to You. Um, so in, I'll, I'll go with that one, Matthew 7, 7, how it says, I don't have it right in front of me, but I do have the commentary, but it says, it's the ask, seek, and knock. Anything you ask for, it will be given on to you. And I have this commentary. I want to read it real quick. And Bible commentary helps break down for anyone who doesn't know, it helps break down um, verses and their context. But so this says for Matthew 7, 7, the ask, seek and knock, ask anything will be given to you. It says prayer is an earthly request for heavenly intervention. It doesn't make God do what's outside of his will, but releases him to do what is in, but real releases. Yeah, sorry. But releases him to do what is inside his will. God has determined that his, that he will not do certain things until ask. So we are to ask, seek, and knock for what we need. When you pursue and request those things that are in his will, he promises to deliver. The question is, how long should you ask, seek, and knock until you get an answered prayer? Um, so what this is saying is that... This Bible verse is referring to the things within God's will. So when we get our mind out of, when you're in the new age, your mind is very self-centered. Or even before you come to Christ, we're just very self-centered people. As you start to read the Bible and learn God and who he is and learn his desires, you realize that everything is for his will, his glory to glorify him. He is the one who created everything and we are here to worship him and do be his hands and feet. And so this was talking about asking and praying for the things within his will and knowing that he wants us to pray to him 
we want he wants us to come and ask him for the things that we need sometimes we do need a new car because our car is breaking down and he loves us and he can help us find those resources or he's like you know your car is fine you don't really need a new car like let's let's focus on uh making disciples or something you know but he he is a caring father and so that is why he wants us to pray with our needs our requests and this is what he's telling us to do in like the ask and it is given you know and in matthew 21 22 it's the same concept of ask and it is given to you and it's and if you keep reading down it's saying like you know his if a child is asking the father for food, of course, the father is going to feed him. So it's in the sense of like, ask because I am your loving father and I'm going to take care of you. Not because of the lush, uh, the selfish lust of your flesh. I love that. God gives us, um, yeah, the thing is God gives us the desires of our hearts, but that is after he changes the desires of our hearts, because I know every Christian can speak to that, how you, I mean, it's, I think Corinthians five 17, you're transformed into a new creation when you come to God. And I can say this too, from my own experiences, I know every other Christian and even yourself can, and maybe we can talk about how your desires have changed. But for me, like before, right. I wanted to, um, I wanted to like be this boss babe and make sure I was, I had my own flourishing business and I didn't even know what that necessarily looked like. Well, I did actually, it was astrology. Um, I wanted to have my own flourishing business. I wanted to be this great yoga teacher, this awesome astrologer and this Reiki practitioner that was just killing it and bringing in this infinite source of income from that. And after I came to the Lord I mean, literally my greatest heart's desire is to just be a stay at home mom that likes makes bread. I'm not even kidding. Like that's when I think of like the best possible version of my life, it's being at home with my babies, cleaning the house and making food and spreading the word of God, like doing this. And that is just, if you would have told me that five years ago, I would have thought that was the most boring thing in the world. So that's an example of how you know, with that verse specifically, Matthew 21, 22, like um, it's taken out of context because it's not about your heart's desire when you are still dead in your sin. Yes. It's about your heart's desire when you are a new creation in Christ, because he will change the desires of your heart. Yep. What desires have changed for you? Um, kind of like spot on similar. I think there, you know, it says you can't have two gods, money, uh, money and, and the Lord, you know, you can't serve two masters. And I feel like it's a common thing in the new age to want to make a bunch of money to break those generational curses and, you know, leave generational wealth or whatever and doing it by honestly scamming people because they're going to have to keep coming back to you for more answers. Cause they'll never be satisfied. <laughs> um, so yeah, I had like that boss, babe. I was, I was in an MLM, like a co- it's cog in water. So it's like, oh yeah, water. Cause I surf, like it all makes sense. And like wanting to sell, um, 
like law of attraction courses on how to manifest things. And it took me a while actually to break out of that serving money because I was still in the MLM for a while and they focused a lot on like, just make money or make so much money. Um, so it did take me a while and a lot of prayer and a lot of like, I don't understand. Like, I just, what, like, I don't get it. Just a lot of prayer with the Lord and asking him to soften my heart, um, change my desires, like not my will be done, but your will be done, Lord. And it, it has changed a lot to wanting to be married, to have children, to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, I have my surf business now where I'm able to help people learn how to surf and maybe spread the word while I'm in the ocean. You know, you never know. Um, so, yeah, that's and that reminds me, too, like, he will give you the desires of your heart. So that's in Psalms 37, 4 through 5. And I'm going to say this so that way you guys can hear Okay. It says, take delight in the Lord. So that's the first thing it says, take delight in the Lord. So when you think of delight, I think of delight, meaning enjoying him, being in his presence, learning who he is. So it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So it doesn't say he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord. Like, no, it first says, take delight in the Lord. And then it goes on to say, commit your ways to the Lord. So that means everything I do is what he says, going by his law, who, who he is. And then it says, trust on him and he will do this. And what is the do this? Give you the desires of the heart. So how is he going to give us the desires of his heart? Delighting in him, committing to his ways and trusting in him. This all has to do with him and not me. And when that starts to happen, and I do have these desires, like for a godly husband um, to, you know, even simple things like, hey, maybe I'll be short on rent, like for that stuff, he will give us those desires because our desires have started to align with his desire and his will. So good. And, you know, when you're praying, like the difference between the law of attraction and, you know, biblical blessings received via prayer. Um, and before I get there again, this is the perversion of the gospel. This is what, this is what Satan does. He takes God's word. He gives you just enough truth to encapsulate you in a lie. And I say this all the time. He takes the word and flips it on his head. So we see that there is truth to it. And we think that because there's truth to it, that it is the truth, but it's not. So when you are, when you ask God for something, you're asking God directly in the context of a personal relationship, as opposed to like a cosmic awareness. And that's exactly what you said. It's in his ways. So when, what we know we can't take these Bible verses out of context because what we know about a relationship with God, that means you go through Jesus. We know that from John 14, six, the way to the father is through him. So now you have to dive deeper from there. What does it mean to go through Jesus? Luke nine twenty three, a relationship with Jesus means self-denial. Yes. So it's very different from the law of attraction, which is all about obviously <laughs> supplicating for the self and providing for the self and creating for the self manifesting for the self. Um, so 
you know, manifestors, I see a lot of people that are into manifestation, talk about God and talk about the universe. And they think that they know God, but they are missing, they are missing the mark. And Genesis 1, 21, 22 tells us that I don't have the verse in front of me, but it tells us that we, when we think that we know God, but we don't know God, we think that we are wise, but we're making ourselves a fool. And I don't want to call anybody a fool, but you are being fooled. You are being fooled by thinking that you know God because you think that you're the universe and that the universe is just this vending machine that's going to give you anything that you want because, oh, well, I know God. That's not how it works. Knowing God is knowing God through his order, through his way. Going back to the Cain and Abel example that you used, it's not the fruit, it's the animal. It's not manifestation, it's prayer, it's self-denial. Yep. It's going yep. through Jesus. Um, I that my little notes, the deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. And that's, that's why when we take one little Bible verse, it can be, it is very dangerous because if we don't know the other things that God says, it can be confusing. You can read that Bible verse, like the Matthew 7, 7, ask, seek, and knock, and it'll be given to you. You could read that and think that's what it means. Like, well, God tells me to ask for X, Y, and Z. So that means I'm going to get it if I do this. And it's, that's, that's not what it means. Cause if you continue to read the rest of the word and knowing like, wait a second, the Lord tells me to de- deny myself. So then why would I ask for things in selfish gain? Um, and this is like my favorite Bible verse with the, the law of attraction stuff is in James four, two through five. It says, I love this. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. This is where people will stop. You don't have because you don't ask God. Go go ask the universe. Go manifest with the source. Go ask your God for something. He said, don't ask because he said, you don't have it because you don't ask, so go ask. But it keeps going. When you ask, you do not receive because you are asking with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And then it goes on to say like you adulterous people, um, you cannot be friends with this world. If you're friends with this world, you're an enemy to God. And it like this, anytime anyone wants to bring me Matthew 7, 7 or Matthew 21, 22, I bring them here to James for, and it's like, wait a second. You're right. We do not have, because we don't ask. And God says he will, he will, he will listen to us. He'll give us desires of heart. If we ask for things of wisdom, he's here, he's listening. He's the loving father and wants to help us. But if we don't get it, it's because our motives are wrong and we're going to use it on our own pleasures. That's really good. And following that point, um, First John two fifteen says, you know, basically love, not the world. Um, and that if you do love the world, if you love the things of the world, the father's love is not in you. So mm-hmm. like, the thing is like, we're just passing through this world. Um, the kingdom of heaven is where we're going to have it all not here. And everyone is so caught up in life is short, you know, create what you want, live your dreams. But that is all selfishly motivated. And just like you said, in those verses that the motivation 
it's wrong. And so you may get what you want in the flesh, but what you want in your soul, whether or not you're aware of it is eternal glory with God. And you won't receive that just as the verse you read says, you won't receive that because you are, you're making this world, your kingdom. Yeah. And, um, like the apostle Paul says, like, we're just camping here. This is like, we got a little tent pitched up and we're just camping we're just passing through. Um, eternity is longer than our life here. So we should always have that in mind. Like, where will I be in eternity? Will I be with God who I'm meant to be with, or am I going to be separated from God? You know, and God also tells us to store up our treasures in heaven to, you know, we can't, when we die, if you really think about it, if you die, you can't take your boyfriend, you can't take your husband, you can't take your pet, you can't take your money, you can't take your business that you started. And even in heaven, we're not going to be married. So like all of these things that we think we need and want here don't matter for eternity. And if anyone hasn't read the book of the, I always say it wrong, book of Ecclesiastes, however you say that, <laughs> good. Because it talks about like everything is meaningless, it's all vanity, wisdom, like like all this different stuff on like it's almost a little bit depressing, but really cool to read because it takes the pressure off of, huh, like I actually don't have to try and do all these things. And I don't really need these things that are just stressing me out. Um, and it's not to say we can't have nice things and do like go on vacations and do nice things and have a nicer home like by no means you know if it's it's all for the glory of god if that's all for the glory of god that's that's good um but the reality of it is it to dust we're dust and to dust we're gonna return and it doesn't matter what does matter is our relationship with the lord and with him because at the end of the day he is the one he is the good shepherd. He, he gives the water to those who are thirsty and his well will never run dry. And same with his food. Like he is the bread of life. He will never, he will always fulfill us and satisfy us. And he won't leave us hungry. Um, where everything else in this world is going to leave us hungry. It's going to leave us thirsty. It's, it's going to burden us and have cause us stress and anxiety. And he is, the only source of peace and the only source of what we truly need. Yeah. And that's, you know, if you observe the people that are the big manifestors, like the people with millions of followers that, like I said earlier, like have the big house and everything, you'll notice that they don't ever stop manifesting. They don't ever stop practicing the law of attraction because exactly what you just said, it doesn't really matter. Like it, they may be nice things. It may be a great life, but the reason they keep doing it, the reason they keep manifesting is because they're truly not eternally satisfied. And that's because they're looking for Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Never. It will never be enough. They will right. get the thing that they manifested and they're on to the next one. And the beautiful thing about having a relationship with Jesus and the Lord is that yes, you are hungry to learn more of him, but you're always full and satisfied afterwards. And he knows everything. He placed the stars where they go. He made this 
universe so perfect that we're able to live in it. Um, if it was just like a millisecond off, it we no human life would be able to exist. Um, and so he made all these things. I mean, this is right in front of you, Matthew 6, 25. It's like, um, don't worry about your life or the things because I care for the birds. You know, I feed the birds and they don't worry about it because they know their heavenly father cares for them. And where was I going with that? Yeah. So <laughs> with, um, with the Lord, he knows what we need. He knows how to care for us. And when we take matters into our own hand, it will never be enough. And you might get drunk on the power of it because how we kept talking about it works. You might get drunk on the power of it, but again, it's ultimately self-serving. Um, and the law of attraction kind of says like it, how you mentioned earlier, it takes all the pressure off the law of attraction and everything in the new age. Um, really kind of says like, you know, everything's your fault. Essentially everything is your fault, but that's okay. Because if everything's your fault, then everything is there for your responsibility to fix. So you can do it, but the Bible says everything is your fault, but that's okay because God will deliver you from that in eternal glory. So that's, yeah, it takes a lot of pressure off. And that's why when people come to God, they realize that they can have the peace of God, because it's not up to you anymore. You don't have to manifest your way through life and you shouldn't manifest your way through life because the universe isn't giving you anything. The universe is the creation. The universe is just there. You know, the stars aren't giving you anything. The stars aren't giving you money. It's just there. It's God's creation. Um, They are worshiping God by being who they are and thinking that you're silly by worshiping them. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, Proverbs three, five through six, acknowledge Christ and not the power of your mind, you know, lean not on your own understanding. God knows all. Um, then in, you know, Romans one, you know, it talks about the Lord gives us over to our selfish flesh and our selfish de- desires because we're worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And, you know, I, I see that happen so much is like, you're so entangled in this. The Lord just gives you up into it all. You know, he's, of course he's, he's omnipresent. So he's always here, but you know, he says that if, if you want to go in your lush, like in your selfish desires, your flesh, I will give you over to it. Um, and I, that's heartbreaking. When I remember when I first read that, that was so heartbreaking. I was like, man, thank you, Lord, for saving me and ro- like roping me back in. Cause yeah, it's not a play. It's when you in the moment, when you're in all of it, it seems good. You seem powerful. It seems great, but you know, in the back of your mind, something is off. Something is missing. Something's not enough. And there is not that peace like we talked about. And so it's really beautiful when you're able to get saved, come to the Lord, experiencing that true peace and looking back on that and being like, wow, like, thank you, father, for what you, you saved me from myself, man. Like, thank you so much for that. Amen. And that's, you know, that's the power of free will, what you said, unfortunately. Um, but that's, that's just how much he loves us, that he gives us the free will. Um, 
we can start to wrap up here. There are a couple things that we didn't mention. I do want to briefly touch on back to perversion of scripture affirmations. People ask me about affirmations Sometimes the oh, I am stuff, I got that right there. the I am stuff comes from Exodus, right? Because God says, I am. Mm-hmm. And when we practice affirmations, it's essentially blasphemy. So it's like, I am because he is mm-hmm. ultimately. Um, did you do any of that? Like the I am affirmations? Oh yeah. Uh, my mom was like, I am love. That was like my biggest thing. Cause I felt like I didn't have enough love and it's ironic because God is love and we only get love from God. And I was trying to say, I am love and I'm not. Um, but yeah, in, in Exodus, when Moses was speaking to the, actually that is either the first or second name that God refers to himself as. So um, Moses talking to the burning bush, but that burning bush was the spirit of God. And he said, I am the great I am. And so that is one of God's names. His name is I am because he is, he just is. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned that one. Cause, um, but another Bible verse that people like who use affirmations and stuff and say like, Oh, we are one with source energy. We are like that Christ consciousness, um, is in John 10 30, where it says, I, I and the father are one and new agers or people who take the Bible out of context, like to say that they think I like me, Amber and the father are one. And that's, not what it's saying it's saying i jesus and the father are one and then the great and that's why when jesus um when some of the jewish pharisees were questioning jesus like who are you all this stuff before he's about to get crucified he said i am who i am and he's saying i am like i am god because that's one of god's names is i am and so when you hear that, you're like, why would God say I am? That doesn't make any sense. And it's because that's his name. Um, so saying all that, when you then as you personally, like as Amber, as me, say I am love, I am um, worthy, I am whatever, you're essentially saying that you are the great I am when you are not, you are not Jesus. You are not God. You are not the Holy spirit. You are not in that triune God. You are his creation. And so when the Bible is saying, I am the father are one, or I am the great I am, or I am who I say I am, whatever. It's not talking about I as in you, it's talking about I as in God. And when, when doing that, it, it can be blasphemy because you can't, be love. You can't be worthy. You can't be peace. You can't be any of these things because God is, and you are not God. And that, I think that's a big misconception in the new age movement is that we are like little gods and little goddesses. And so we can be those things, but the, the source of what God tells us is from the bible and new agers will believe any other book but the bible and 
take any other book but the Bible for truth. And it obviously it's because it hurts their flesh and all that stuff. But the Bible is based in logic, reason, um, like evidence. You you can get evidence for everything in this Bible and why it's true, why you can believe. Um, whereas every other book written in the New Age is just written by a man who thinks they knew, know something, but they don't. It's the knowledge of the world and not the knowledge from heavenly realms from God. And I think that's something important that everyone should do, maybe coming out of the new age, or if you're still in the new age, I question the Bible, even after being saved, when I was reading the word of God, I was saying, is this true? And so I had to go on that journey of discovering, this is going off tangent, but I had to go on that journey of discovering why the Bible is true. And so that way, when we know the Bible is true, we know that when it says, I am the great I am, it's talking about God. That was really good. Um, and just a few more points. The law of attraction distracts us from prayer. Um, I think I said that at the beginning, but that's, you know, prayer is the way that we talk to God. That's the way that we have uh, that close personal relationship with him, you know, where he's like our objective, personal, sovereign, transcendent God. And that's where our gifts really come from. That's where we receive from is from prayer. And with this manifestation, with these affirmations of I am this, I am that it's distracting us from what we need to be doing, which is getting on our knees and praying to the great I am. Um, and then, you know, like we talked about just because it works, it doesn't mean it's right. And it'll never bring you eternal fulfillment. And something else I wanted to mention before we wrap up is that this is not to say that you shouldn't be positive or you shouldn't think good thoughts. The Bible calls us to have good thoughts, Proverbs 17, 20. Um, so you, you shouldn't like just be miserable all the time or, or not try to think nice things. Like you should be grateful. You should be thankful. That does have an impact on your mood, on your day, on how things go for you. Again, there's truth to it. This, there's truth to the whole idea of the law of attraction. There is something to it, but it's not the truth. Yeah. So is there anything that you would say to somebody who is still really into the law of attraction? Is there a message that you could give them? Yeah. Um, and just to piggyback real quick on what you said about there's nothing wrong with thinking positive and going about your day in that sense. And the Bible calls us to do so. Um, but that's not because we're going to manifest things. It's because that's how God made us. <laughs> like God made our mind to affect our body because it is scientifically proven that if you are stressed out, you're more likely to get sick. And it, it, that's not because we're manifesting the sickness onto us, but that's just because that's how God made our body. He, that's how he made us. Um, and yeah, so for anybody who is still maybe non-Christian or even Christian thinking that the law of attraction is okay to practice and use, um, you know, consider the source of where it's coming from. And if we know that it comes from the occult, then why are we going to trust what 
human beings are saying compared to what the word of God said, which was divinely inspired from the God. I think in first Peter, it says that the, the word of God is God breathed. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, if it's not in there, but it is in the new Testament of for the word of God is God breathed. And when we try to take things in our own hands or understanding, it's always going to end up being messy. It's always going to end up leaving you feel depleted. Maybe not in that moment, maybe not even that year or a few years down the road, you could be living on the spiritual high, but it will eventually catch up with you. You are going to hit your breaking point. You are going to feel lost, anxiety written, no peace, not understanding why what used to work for you is not working for you anymore. And there's going to be a reason for that. It's because we're not made to, well, we are made to worship something and it's either going to be God of the, the God of this universe or Satan and understanding that you may be able to gratify your flesh in that moment. It may feel good. It's going to leave you empty. And that the long run of being with Jesus and serving the Lord, it's not always going to feel good or look good because it's going against what we know. But through that, there is always going to be that peace that surpasses all understanding and knowing that the this earth isn't our end and that in heaven all of our tears will be wiped away we will be doing exactly how god intended everything to be um whereas here on earth it is the messed up version of it because of sin and sin will lead to death and if you do not know jesus you will not be with him in heaven. You know, the John 14, six, for I am the way, the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the father except through me. And those are things to really think about. Am I, am I serving myself? Am I being selfish or do I want to serve the God of this universe who it's, I don't even have words to describe what it's like. Um, Only that it's exactly how, truly how we were designed to be is to, to serve and worship him. Amen. That was really good. Um, where can people find you? Um, my Instagram, Amber, it's just my name, Amber Jekovich, J E C K O V I C H. I'll leave that in the show notes. Um, so would you just do us the honor of closing out in prayer? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Lord, I want to come to you today and let us remember that it's not our will be done, but your, your will be done. Father, we can be very selfish humans and our heart is deceitful above all things, Lord. So I pray that you soften our hearts, Father, that you make our will, your will, Lord, and that for the listeners who are listening today, Lord, I ask that you soften their heart and open their eyes. If there's anyone listening who does not know you, Father, I just pray that you 
will touch them in a way that they will realize that you are the truth, Lord. And then I pray for the saved believer who is maybe confused on this topic, Father, that they will dig deeper into your word and wanting to know exactly what you say and not what they think that you say, Lord. Lord, I pray for Angela and I thank you that you have given her this voice and opportunity to speak for your glory now, Father. I thank you for her, Father. I thank you that you have saved her and that she is doing your work, Father. I pray for the protection over her and all of her listeners. And it's in your beautiful name, Lord, that I pray. Amen. Amen.